Welcome to the Beyond Green 365 podcast. This podcast educates homeowners on how to make healthier choices when updating, remodeling, or building a new home. Step Beyond Green to Healthy supports, advocates, and educates for healthier indoor environments. We make every effort to offer healthier options and learning opportunities. However, our assistance is not specific medical advice for any one person and or medical condition. For specific medical advice, please contact your physician. The content provided by Step Beyond Green to Healthy is for your information only. Any application of this information is your responsibility entirely. Here is your host, Jonathan Sinovic. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. I had a chance to sit down with Bingo Emmons of Creative Construction of Wisconsin. They're a plaster stucco company. That's right, folks. In the Milwaukee area, we have a lot of plaster and stucco homes, and he's one of only two or three companies in the Wisconsin area, in southeastern Wisconsin, that actually still does the stucco that was put on your house 100 years ago. In fact, he actually told me he's using a lot of the same products he used 100 years ago. But anyways, he's the fifth-generation owner. He's actually about to hand over the reins to his son, Zach, and Sam. And they're going to be the sixth-generation owners. That's right, over 90 years' experience working in the plaster and bricklayer-like area of trades. He's been president currently of this company for 36 years with his son, Sam and Zach, by his side. Like I said, they're taking over on the sixth generation. They just recently moved to a new location in West Allis that they're pretty excited about, and they're currently finishing the build out of that, but they are happy to be there. They used to be in Brickfield, and now they're out in West Dallas. They focus on interior and exterior, stucco and plaster, as well as historic restoration. I've seen some of the coolest things. He's got pictures of churches and historical houses and everything else that he still creates the molds and puts up the crown. It's pretty exciting. They not only do residential, but like I said, they do commercial as well. He is a wealth of knowledge, and I'll tell you, he is a strong advocate of Step Beyond Green and Healthy. He talks about the stories of how he went through the training with Step Beyond Green, and it just opened up his world to not only how healthy his product is, but how healthy it is for his teams to install it and how important it is to let clients know that he does offer a healthy product um, as well as not only just in the product itself, but also in the prep of putting it on the walls and taking it off the walls. With that, let's get on with the show. Today's topic is all about interior plaster and how to get away from mold, that nasty word, and drywall. So let's get right to the show. All right, we're back here with Bingo. Bingo, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I guess night, day, depends on when they're listening to it, right? Right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, today is all about interior with you. And I guess that when we're talking about healthy, because healthy has been really the, to- the, the topic of, of most of these, we talk about healthy in the form of interior and drywall. And I guess there's all kinds of thought process on drywall, not drywall. So I guess my question to you is, how do you feel about healthy homes and drywall? Well, with drywall, um, the problem with drywall is once it gets wet, you have a certain amount of time, 24 to 48 hours, to remove it. Right. You don't have a choice. With plaster, if it gets wet, you just open a window and dry it out. That's and and why is that? It doesn't grow because it's the paper. It doesn't grow the on that. The paper on the yeah. drywall. And got it. Plaster, is, um, it's, got, you know, it's, got lime, it's got lime in it. 
It's got things in there that'll stop it from growing. Usually, if you see mold on a plaster, you can pretty much wipe it off with you know with bleach. So it's surface mold. Yeah, so mold surface mold. Saying, it's, not, yeah. it's not in it. You can't. You can't just nothing for it to eat. Yeah, and I think that's what we've talked about on, on previous episodes. We did one with Dave from Havana Cleaning. He was talking about the fact that uh, most cleaners even don't attack going when it penetrates through it. So it's like all the all the kind of over-counter, like bleaches and things. Like you, you, you absolutely cannot reuse wet drywall. Just can't. Yeah, so and I, if you're listening, keep that in mind because I think especially in, in we'll call it the Midwest, we see it because we're digging basements. We're, it seems to be a basement gets wet for somebody's lifetime at least once. And I think there's this misnomer out there that you can just, well, it gets wet, you just dry it off and just move on. You can't. Even even insurance companies will tell you, you got to do a, what they call a flood cut. You got to cut a certain amount because it wicks. You know, moisture will drive all the way up it. And you just you just cannot reuse drywall. Once it gets wet, it's 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 you you will get mold. You will get mold. And then when he's talking about that cut, if you've ever been into someone's house where they go three feet or four feet, depending on where how much it's wicked. That's what he's referring to, that cut around all the old perimeter that says, hey, we got to tear all that out and dry it all out. Um, so drywall and mold. Obviously, we talked about breathability in your last episode with stucco and wanting it to breathe. Uh, same thing with stone veneers. We want them to breathe. Um, so if it's, if it's breathing, then really we don't want drywall on the inside, I wouldn't think. Well, um, it, it might work. You know, it works in some spots. I mean, I'm young. I'm a plaster guy, so naturally I'm pushing for plaster. <laughs> right. But uh, you can do drywall in some spots, just, you know, second floor, you know. I mean, but I, I see this from people, like, they put up insulation, they put up a vapor barrier, and you put up drywall in a basement, and they can't understand why they get mold. Mm-hmm. There's no way it, there's no way for it to dry out. It just gets moisture. The, uh, the high humidity just builds on it, and sooner or later, they call us up and say, you know, you got a mold problem. Yeah, it, it, it has been a big problem with vapor barriers and insulation in, in basements. In fact, there's a lot of building science in the Midwest trying to decide, you know, are the current code says you either have to put insulation and no vapor barrier or a vapor barrier and no insulation because inherently you're going to get moisture. That And there, they, there's this whole yeah. dilemma of, well, the top half is constantly changing well, and the bottom that, half isn't. I'm watching, looking at kitchens all over Shorewood or Whitefish Bay, all those remodelers, right? They put really good, you know, big four and six mil plastic and all the inside of kitchen walls, you know, and they keep it, you know, so no, so the moisture can't get in or out. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to rot. Yeah. Because trapping you're, you're trapping the moisture. That's because you got to use a retarder. You got to allow for something to go out. Exactly. Exactly. So if we're, if we're, let's, you know, so if drywall's not it, um, kind of what should we be thinking as far as what's the next evolution with healthy homes what do you think that that our next stage is? Well, I, you know, personally, I think we should go back to the, you know, the seventies with the steel steel studs and a, <laughs> and a rib lath, and a, just you can't, you can't burn, you can't, it doesn't soak up moisture, you know, it can, um, it can, it can be wet. You got brand new homes now; they're being built. You look at them, you, you drive past them. These condo complexes, inner, the woods, all the wood framing is built, and it rained for like a, two or three weeks, and all of a sudden they got a nice stain. You quick cover it up, so all that wood is all moist. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's got mold already trapped in there before the before you person even put what's in there for the first day. Yeah, and you were describing a scenario with with that where you might be able to notice some some of that as a problematic even after you've moved in. Let's just say that you moved into a, a newer uh, a project. You're saying that as that wood starts to release things, that you might be able to notice it in the drywall, correct? Yeah, you see a lot of these homes. You look and you say, I got cracks on my ceiling. You got cracks in joints. You know, especially homes with these. You know, they got these two story living rooms. You see all these little cracks start showing up all over, and those are houses that are just so dry. 
mean, I mean, they were so wet at the time. Now they're dry, they're shrinking, they're moving. Hmm. So it might not have been anything with the installation practices at the time, because I think that's some of the things that I've seen people complain about. Oh, wow, you know, this is this is a bad drywall or blah, blah. It actually could have had something to do with the fact that your studs, your, your wood was so wet at the time that as it's drying out, you're seeing all this, this movement, basically, in well, that you stud. Said, yeah, wood that's kiln-dried. It's all wrapped up in plastic, right? They open it up sits there and we had you know where you get those rains for it rains like three days last week <laughs> right right that's that wood is soaking up water yeah. did you ever go to like this uh even go to a store and you grab like some a pressure treated wood that comes right off a pallet you know because that was soaking you feel how heavy that stuff yeah. is right mm-hmm. and eventually it dries and gets real light well this is happening to wood out there it's sitting out there it's soaking up wood it's it's absorbing it it's soaking all the water into the you know, all the grains and you know pretty right. deep so steel studs would would solve that. That's there's no there's no problem with that. And then describe that I mean, for for everybody out there because I know it was the first time that I'd heard you'd use the word rib wrath and and mm-hmm. what what to the if you could describe with words what what is that and it's, and why uh, is it important? If you're a remodeler and you try to take apart a bathroom or something that was done in the seventies or something, you know exactly what that is. It's the most hardest surface you've ever seen. You're using grinding wheels, sawzalls, it just eats up everything. It's really hard to get. It's it's metal lath. But it's basically just ribs. It has mm-hmm. like metal ribs on it, like little bands, right? And it's it's really good for ceilings, especially guys like us. You put ceiling, otherwise your metal out is always going like this. It weighs a little bit. Waves. It keeps sure. it really stiff. It's just like a sheet. You put it on there. It's the most strongest substance demand. Well, the strongest substance demand is two buckets stuck together. But the second strongest substance is try to take that stuff down. When you try to remodel a kitchen or a bathroom down with a rib lath, you will... No you're, exception. You you're, always know. You're going to need the whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, and you're going <laughs> to cuts in your hands and everything. And you're like, this is, I man, I didn't plan on this at all because you're thinking it's going to be under rock lath or wood lath. You just pawn it with a hammer and it comes off. Sure, sure. So rib lath and steel studs. Um, if you want the healthiest it, product, if you want the healthiest home, you can't grow. You can't grow mold on it. Mold maybe you can't grow on metal, right? Yeah, and, and or this product. Yeah, I mean, you might get mold on the surface from you know enough algae or stuff you're not growing around. It's basically that kind of stuff, just algae. Um, you might be able to get that on a surface, but that you can wipe right off. It can't grow inside it, you know. It and there's homes on the east side that were, you know, you go in there and look at it, and, you know, you can tell that, you know, the toilet must have been leaking for, you know, for 50 years, right? <laughs> and there's no mold up there or anything. It just, you know, they've been changed, been fixed a few times, they've been leaking. You know, it can take a plaster can take a lot of abuse. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting because I've heard you say that over our time t- together, and the fact that you've seen water leaks that have been around for, you know, 10, 20 years, yeah. um, and not, and we don't see mold growth. And I think that's that's a crazy thing when we talk about how instant mold growth is on our, we'll call it more modern construction materials, dry, you know, just drywall, ply, ply, plywood, for example. I mean, back in the day, we would use a hardwood as a subfloor. You'd, you'd have it at an angle, at a 45-degree angle, and they were one-by-sixes, and they laid them across there. You could get water on that all day. And it would dry out, right? right. And as opposed to plywood gets water on it. Like you're, you're saying, all I was thinking about when you're saying three days of rain, exposed to the elements, that plywood, I've actually been on framing crews, and I've had, I've walked on it, where that plywood has expanded a half inch. Because oh, it just absorbed all of the water sitting on it, and you're like, all right, well, someone's going to, the living room's going to have this in it. Okay, I you know, you, you try some of these, you got particle boards on a roof. <laughs> right. Because you know, wood's so hard to get right now, you get whatever you can get, and they yeah. put it on. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely crazy. So if if that if we can't uh, get to or maybe we can't afford the steel stud uh, rib wrath, what would, what kind of be round two? Like if we couldn't if we we don't want to use drywall, 
because we're worried about moisture and mold and things like that. And we know we, we're not we're not ready to make that leap to steel stud. What is there an in between? Yeah, we do. We actually been doing this a lot for people that have like swimming pools or whirlpool rooms or do that. We put up our product called you know Dirt Rock mm-hmm. cement board, and then we plaster over that, and uh, that can take a lot of abuse. You can wash it with a hose every day, and you'll be fine. That, that's that, that's interesting because I think Durarock's been around for a while. That's not a new product, yeah. right? No, 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 no. Yeah, no, it's, yeah USG makes it, and they'll be. Um, they actually, you know, you can go see their videos. They, they endorse it, especially for. They want you to, you know, they want us to start using an exterior. Exterior, now. yeah. That was yeah. kind of its big push, is because it because it it won't absorb anything, right? right. The idea there is it's there's nothing there for mold to grow on. There's right. nothing there for anything. And you're supposed to save. Now you don't need to put substrate up because you got this up. And you stuck, you know, you plaster right over it or stuck over it. Yeah, and you were saying that you've been using this this technique where you plaster over, over that for like swimming pool rooms or yeah, anything that's got moisture in it. I would, yeah, I would people, think. People, you know, I say, you know, they're treadmills, but they're for swimming. You know, yeah, the endless it, pools or something they're called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, the people that are for health reasons they have these, and the, you know, so you naturally you got water, open water all the time. So you have to have something that's going to work. If you put drywall in there, it'll just buckle and fold; it won't come at all. You know, plaster by itself will work. Will work by will work pretty good. But as sooner or later, it's going to get down, you know, get back to what's behind the substrate. So if you use a dirt rock, now you got substrate that's that's waterproof by itself. Sure, and I think that's been a question with designers for years on what do you do with indoor pools because you know everybody's kind of we went through the wood phase where everybody well you you just put shiplap basically on it and hope for the best, um, and now we're seeing the modern pool wants drywalled walls and. Uh, I think there's been that dilemma of this. This is not a good idea. We got standing water in a pool, sitting inside of a building, you know, inside the house, and and so it, you know the Durac seems like it's a really good alternative. It is, you know, um, to do a whole house, it's gonna be more expensive than drywall, but you know, it's if you ask me what's healthier, you know, this is clearly healthier than than going with uh, drywall. Sure, for sure. You had also kind of in our discussion talked about, and I don't, and I think it's in, it's it would be interesting for our, our listeners is we've heard about the word green board, right? Um, and I think when people go, well, drywall, so I'll just go to green board because that's not going to have any mold problems. Yeah, but moist, that's not really it's the moisture resistant board, right? Moisture resistant board, and it's that's really kind of interesting though. You, you you talk talk a little bit about green board and kind of yeah, it's maybe just a, it's different it's different than drywall, but it's no Durac. No, it's not. It's still, it's moisture resistant. It's not moisture proof. It's moisture resistant. That means it can take some, technically can take some kind of, a, you know, a moisture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with it is you can't use it in bathroom ceilings or even kitchen really? ceilings. Yeah, no, it can't. It's just not allowed by code. It's not allowed by your manufacturer because it, it'll, it could fall. So what do you think it was developed? I mean, when we say moisture resistant, it, was it just, was it, it's I kind of ba- feel, I feel like bathrooms. it, it but what what's what's moisture resistant about it? Do you know? Uh, it's the paper. Okay. Yeah, you know, the product. You know, and it's got a more of a you know different little different interior part of it. You know, and it's uh, when they talk about it. Well, they cook it for this much, and they mix this stuff in there, and you know, it's just you know made by thousands of feet a minute. Those where those machines punch it out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it can't. Um, it, it can just it just can't you can't use it in horizontal surfaces. Hmm. So that's you know the big drawback with it. So you got to put something else up in there. So you got a whole room. You put moisture resistant. Moisture resistant means it's it can it can you know, it's moisture resistant, right? It's not mold resistant. That's not yeah, not mold resistant. Not not the fact that it can't actually absorb water. It's just it's got right. less of a tolerance. I guess would be yeah. <laughs> and uh, but uh, but the purple bo- but the purple board, 
is uh, seems to be is your next alternative. If I had a choice, I would do my also purple board. If you had to do really? well only. And what's the? I mean, now we've gone from green to purple. Are they just sh- changing colors? <laughs> it's not exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly Jim McCormick. It's a whole process that they that they done. Okay. It took the place of green board. Got but it. You can do ceilings with it. So it's the next. It's 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 an all around product as yeah. opposed to a specific yeah, just they walls. They said they got you know the you know the actually they actually trademarked the purple color, so um, you're going to get it's only one company putting this out now, but you have to. Um, um, it just you just have to remember that it's moisture resist you know moisture resistant. It's not going to stop if water gets starts getting in through the cracks and through the spots. You're going to have more problems because it's still made with a product that can you know can feed mold. Just that sure. it's impregnated with stuff that's anti-mold stuff. Yeah, but we don't we don't know how long that's going to work because it hasn't been around long enough for us to test it. Got it's it. like when we talked about doing Eves. We thought, oh my, it's the greatest product ever. <laughs> right. Until 1990, we're like, oh, <laughs> maybe right. not. Maybe not. Um, let's go back into indoor um, plaster uh, and talk a little bit about some of the things. If I own a, a, a home, maybe it's the eight, you know 18 late 80, 1800s, early 1900s. And I'm seeing cracking because I think some of it's some of the best stories I've actually heard. Some of the pictures I've seen, I've been amazed on the how the strength of plaster and actually when it's a problem and when it's not a not a problem. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, every time people get the big famous crack on the middle of their living room, then they're like, they always think something's going on. It's not. It's just the house made its own expansion joint or control joint. It just made it there. So when we fix them, we actually make it movable so it stays there because. Uh, you know, someone's going to patch it to you and say, oh, I'll put this special stuff in there and it'll never come back. It'll come back. Because the house is moving. That they picked its own control joints. You can look at a piece of plaster in a home. You go for like one part of the house and you notice that you go all around the whole house. It's actually connecting. Really? Yeah, there's no, there's no uh, control joints. Uh, it's just, you know, it just, it just, it's always connected to something. And sooner or later it shrinks. And, it, you know, you can get lucky where the cracks are. If the cracks are in a corner, you know, the people just, you know. <laughs> what the old guys did is they just took some other hot hotline back then and they just rubbed it in the corners and they were done. They took care of it because it shrinks right away. Does it? Yeah, most of those cracks that you see, those are cracks before the guys left. And it doesn't sound like, I mean, kind of the way that you're talking about it, it doesn't sound like that's a problem. To it's say just cosmetic. cosmetic. Yeah. So is there a point in which there is a problem that we need to be giving you a call? Yeah, if you start to see um, if the crack is, you know, getting bigger, uh, then it's, you know, you got structural problems. If you see straight up and down cracks, Talk about two different kind of cracks. You see straight up and down cracks in a wall. That usually means, and it's getting bigger. That's usually a structural problem. Yeah, because you got the weight coming. Like it's something's moving and compressing it, right? But but I see this all the time. You see this forty-five degree angle cracks in a back hallway or something. Okay, I have seen those. Yeah, yeah, right. And I'm saying, well, you know, this this froze at one time. Usually means that the house froze, and that's how those cracks are developed. So there people are like, well, what should we do with them? Well, don't let your house freeze anymore. I mean, it seems simple, right? Just don't let your house. Yeah, well, he said, "Well, these cracks are here since we got them." I said, "I know, but somewhere a long time ago, you know, you know really, yeah, uh, it froze, and you see all these little forty-five angle cracks, and they're just—they're cosmetic. They're just—they're not falling off. When you start to see um, where the keys break, that's the part that goes into the wood lath. That's the first coat when you do a scratch coat. Uh, the the, key, the little keys that grab the wood—it goes back a little bit, expands, and then it expands a little bit, and okay. it basically drips over, and it. Makes a you know it makes it go. So what he did back then is he took all of the stuff from the process. He took all the wood lath, okay. put it in barrels of water, soaked it so it was all wet. Okay. Then he went and installed it. So when all shrank, it all shrank and dried and everything is all nice and tight, really super tight. Otherwise you'd be all wobbly, wibbly, you know. 
Oh, so no so they all shrunk and tight. You know, that's why mm. you can't use Willath. You can't reuse it. And then, um, and then we go around, they run around and scratch it. Then they let us sit for a month before they go again because you want the base coat to go, but you don't want to get the Willath wet. Wow, you wait that long almost, yeah, huh? right. Yeah, and then they wait. Then they used to go around. Then after they do that, they put the finish coat on. You know, we didn't have hot prime like we got now or anything like this, right? Then you put the finish coat on. Then you wait a year so for the pH level to drop. And then you could pay. They didn't know about pH level. They just know that you had to wait a year. <laughs> so we know about pH no levels kidding. now. Yeah, so you had to wait a long time. And because I, I, we get that where people like, you know, I'll see someone who did a repair over some wood lath and stuff, and you see the little cracks for every strip of wood lath. Yeah, I don't think the guy used the right stuff. Uh, just look, all these cracks came back and everything. I said, well, it's good. You, you can't reuse wood lath. Hmm. So what does really wood lath on? And we'll just we'll shoot some metal lath on. Got it. But uh, you can't, yeah, you can't reuse it because it will shrink. And it gets wet and it expands, you know, it does this thing and then it shrinks again. And now you got these little cracks and they're like, you know, I think something's wrong. I'm just fascinated. So you actually soaked pieces of wood. You got them, you got them soft. You put them on there. You let them dry, basically. So it shrunk. So it made it tight, which actually is brilliant, right? That's uh, then you put us, you put the first coat on and you'd wait how long? A month. A month. So think of the construction process. If you're out there right now and you think our construction process was long, is long now. <laughs> <laughs> say, when you put the finish coat on, you can move in if you want, but you can't paint your walls for a year. And then you would have that, to actually have them come back and you have to move everything in the center of the room. I, would, I mean, you got your ceilings and everything, right? So, I mean, that seemed – so did, did typically back then, I mean, because you're fifth generation, so did back then – did people wait a year to, to get in their house or did you have to go back in there after it was – they were already moved in and move all the stuff around? That's how old it was back in the early 1900s and stuff. They waited a year and then came back with a good lead paint and they painted it. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, I suppose, right? Yeah. No, no kidding. So now, how is that process? Obviously, we don't have that. Uh, I've, so that must have changed. Yeah, and we so do. what well, do you do, do now? We do patching. A lot of times people want to say, well, we hired a painter to do it, you know, because we can do painting. We do spot painting, for, especially insurance jobs. But then uh, we get some, you know, I need a house all fixed up before you paint it. We actually prime them ourselves because we don't trust them. Got it. Because you got to use a product called Hot Prime. If you go to, you go to stores, you know, there's even one store that actually carries creative construction primer. Plaster primer. Really? It says right on the label. <laughs> How did you private label that? That was just my son. He made a deal with, with Holmans. <laughs> he says, hey, you know, we use it. Yeah, can we use your name? He said, sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now the process doesn't take that long is what you're saying. No, no, you can just be pretty much, uh, you know, you can usually, a lot of times you, we put the primer on the next day, and then you can paint it that night if you wanted to. Got it. Got it. Because that pH level is... It's different now. There's people, I talked to insurance companies, and I just had a, a, one of those um, companies that you know, take care of damage, right? They had a job. They hired somebody else. They painted it right away because he thought they, they couldn't. It's peeling off. And I said, what's the pH level? And he said, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? Yes, it's way up there. It's, uh, so I'm like, well, then you got to go put some hot prime on it. But they just didn't. They just, you know, that's, and it's still, even though these guys, you know, they do this every day for a living. You just sometimes skip a process. So describe to me, you mentioned a couple of times on pH level. Now, I understand that on a scale, that's an acidity piece, correct? Yeah. So how is that important? Like, is because of the, the, because the material that you're using is pretty basic material, right? So, so what, just, what is it just, about? Just lime. Right. So what is it about the lime that's the, that is the hindered to pH level? What well, are you waiting for? Yeah, you just wait for the pH level to drop down. No, you know, the old days, and it naturally does that? Yeah. And really? Yeah. And the old days... Uh, I'm sure they didn't. They didn't have meters, right? <laughs> no. They didn't have meters. They, like they might have licked it and said, "Well, yeah. it tastes l- well, less acidic." There's actually there's actually a way to check it. It's old-fashioned way to check it. 
Um, they used to do as a matchstick test, right? If you can light a match on it, you can paint it. That's all. That's all they they would figure it out. And what is that? What is the connector there? Because it, when the pH level is high or something, and it's you know it's kind of damp yet, mm-hmm. you can't light it. It won't light. So you take a farmer's match, and it won't light. So that's oh. what you got. You know, and some old guys. I don't think there's any old guys around, but that, 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 but I still know about it. But they're like, oh, you know, let's do a match test. See if it's dry enough. See if it's good enough to paint. And I would imagine back in the day, everybody was smoking everywhere, so matches were readily available. Yeah. Now, now you'd have to go buy a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a farmer, but yeah, if you take a farmer match and do a match test on it, that'll tell you whether you can paint it or not. That's fascinating. And and so if if you don't want to wait, you guys are saying that there's, there's a you called it a hot. Yeah, it is a pro, it is hot prime. Hot prime. Hot prime. Yeah. Sounds sexy. Is it yeah. sexy? Yeah. <laughs> Comes in white. We we actually have it tinted once in a while for uh, when we do exterior, because people like you know I've got stuck over patching our houses and we've got a painter that's coming in, in a couple months, and what we we'll do is we'll prime it ourselves because we just don't um, like I said. Yeah, he's one. I, I learned my lesson. Got it. So you can put this this primer on it that actually then allows the painter to to paint it because now it, it must coat the plaster and then it allows yeah it, and a breeze and a breeze and off gases and stuff that's supposed to, and then it's it's fine. And I was going to ask about that too because one, in your last episode you actually talked about paint and stucco and it's a breathe and there is specific paint that allows for breathability. Is that same? I mean, I think of all the paint that's on the market right now on interior. If I have an old stucco home, um, do I have to worry about the type of paint on that on the interior too, or is that something that's more universal? Yeah, we haven't really. There's some paints that we like better than others. You know, they last longer, but uh, we we don't really see that kind of a problem where you can't you know. You know, there's a lot of houses with you know lead and oil paint on it. You know, just that's a goofy looking cracks in it in the paint, but it's you know it's still there and still holding. Hmm. So so we don't have to worry about that breathability on the interior plastic. No, no, because behind there is there's supposed to be a moisture retarder, and uh, what you don't want is you don't want moisture to get back in a wall, right? Mm-hmm. Because what happens is you say, well, it can't breathe out if you got a special oil paint on there. It can't breathe out. Well, then it goes out the other way. Yeah. That's an interesting question that just popped into my head is because you talked about the system of putting you know the lath on there and the plaster now and today where's the vapor barrier in plaster systems is it still like i mean code would say put studs up put the uh, put insulation in vapor barrier can you do that with with plaster product no no, we still vapor retarder Mm -hmm. we don't use uh we don't we don't use a six mil plastic like we used to Uh, but use what they call a vapor retarder what allows it to leak because, you know, otherwise we had that six mil plastic, which did a great job preventing moisture from going into the walls, mm-hmm. but it also did the same thing. It doesn't allow moisture to come back out. Interesting. And that's that's a little bit different than drywall then, because drywall still uses the thicker vapor barrier, doesn't it? I, just, uh, I personally think they should be all switching to vapor retarders. I'll be because, doing it. Got it. So because the, the houses that we're seeing, the condos, you know, we go to condo associations and stuff, and they walk around and we're, you know, open up the bottom of all the cabinets and everything is mold. Every one of them is mold. So we should be using something that's more breathable within a yeah. certain layer set. But for yeah. healthy-wise, I recommend to use all breathable products inside and out. So whatever the water gets in, it goes. It doesn't stay there and grow mold. Yeah. It's, it's funny when I used to talk about um, that particular t- subject with basements. People were like, oh, no, I want to put something on here that you know, completely seals up my basement. You know, I don't want any water. About, and I went... Well, the problem with that is that you'd never know if you had a problem until it's a real big problem. Wouldn't you rather have it, like, drain out and you see yeah. it right away as opposed to letting it sit there for six months and getting it to be a bigger problem? And they went, 
I guess I never looked at it that way. Like we want to yeah. identify there's an issue and fix it, not or let it breathe and dry, not seal it behind a wall system. Yeah, well, when when we do the when we do well, we do a lot of you know we do a lot of steel. We put up what they call hat channel, and we put that up in basements, and we put the metal lath on and we plaster it, but we leave a little air gap in the bottom, and a little air nice. gap on the top, so so it's always breathing, it's always you're constantly rotating, and uh, so far no problems since yeah. I've been doing it. And I think that's that's another key from today's dis- discussion is breathability. We, we've we've heard since the you know mid '90s that it's got to be sealed, got to be sealed. We went into 2000s, everything's got to be sealed, and now actually we're seeing all of building science kind of go, hey, hold on, <laughs> maybe sealing it 100 percent is not the best idea. I, although if done in the perfect scenario, can be controlled. What we're finding is that you want things to breathe and dry out, and that actually prohibits mold, which is I've heard you say some you know over the years that. Um, you know, an older hole in that breeze actually probably has less mold in it than you think. It, it, yeah, a lot of those houses don't have mold. <laughs> right. But they just don't have them because the houses breathe, they leak. They, you know, they got, you know, especially a guy with a, you see around an old house with an oil boiler on it. There's no <laughs> moisture in there. The chimney's perfectly fine. Everything's running good, right? They buy a high-efficiency furnace, right? You know, like 90, 90% high-efficiency furnace, and the chimney starts to explode. The top starts to come off because now there's perfectly hot air, dry air going on. Now it's blowing a cold steam. Chicago pinks, they're just absorbing all the water as it goes up there. Wow. It freezes and then explodes. Again, that could be a whole other discussion, I think. Wow, that's fascinating. All right, well, Bingo, thank you as always. As a recap, what Bingo talked about is that when you talk about healthy, if he had his his way, steel studs and rib wrath uh, would be the starting point to, ever, to the inside of your house. It's going to guarantee there's no mold growth. There's nothing that can grow on it um, and allow that breathability. But if you can't do that, and maybe the next thing up might be considered Dura-Rock with plaster on the surface, uh, which is really kind of an interesting concept. In fact, I want to explore that a little bit more because I have a couple of pool rooms that I'm designing right now that I never thought of putting Dura-Rock as a spec plan for it. Yeah, so as long as I've been doing them, you know, this is something, you know, I remember back when my dad first told me about this stuff, we were using a special, we had to buy special blades back then. Now you can buy them at, you know, Menards. It doesn't matter. Right. But back then, it was a special order for blades for cutting that stuff. And uh, we've never had a problem or anybody ever call me back and say, hey, we got issues. Got it, got it. And, uh, and then, you know, we've got the purple board that's coming on the market. It's been on the market for a while. We're just seeing it more in, in use. Might be the next step if we have to do the drywall away from conventional drywall. It's more moisture resistant, but it's not exactly, it's not Dura-Rock for sure. Um, but it might be something that if you have to use wood, wood studs um, and purple board might be your, your next piece up. But keep in mind that green board, something that came out of today's discussion, which I was new to me, was green board. If your contractor suggests using it on the walls, okay, fine in your bathroom. But if you see it on the ceiling, it's not actually designed for it, nor should you see it there. And uh, it's against code. It's against code, which is good to know. So lots of fun facts. And I'll leave you on the fact that if you see that horror, if you have plaster walls, you see a horizontal crack, don't freak out. It's probably fine. And it's probably been there, like you've been telling everyone, from before you bought it. Right, especially the, especially the big famous one down in the middle of the ceiling that drives people nuts. <laughs> every time, every time. Well, Bingo, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure having on you. We'll have you on here soon again. All right. Thanks, Bingo. Step Beyond Green's mission is to create healthier indoor environments for us to live and work in. This is one of the ways that we do this. Please like, subscribe, or share this, as well as leave a comment below about this topic, or maybe it's a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future. As always, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.